0: Hey, parents, Tim Wright here with you again, the co-host of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And uh, today, another great question from one of our listeners. And uh, I think you're all going to enjoy this, even though it is uh, about a boy, it works for boys or girls, and it's really about our worldview and and personality types and, and how we process things. And looking forward to what Michael's going to have to say about this question, uh, but we do want you to know that we've got something very exciting coming up that um, is going to be happening at a live event, a tele-summit on October 1st called the Helping Boys Thrive Summit. And you can learn more information at helpingboysthrive.org. And Michael, what are some of the things that people will learn and experience through that one-day event?
1: Yeah, we're uh, we're going to look at, I'm going to show brain scans, which is something we can't see, obviously, through a podcast, but this, you're going to see, um, folks, you're going to see a lot of brain scans that are going to show you male-female difference, and then, of course, we wrap all sorts of strategies around that and uh, how to work with boys, um, uh, and a, a lot of it actually will help with girls, too, and um, and then we're going to look We're going to look at uh, forging the spirit of boys. Of course, you're going to do, you, Tim, are going to do rites of passage and that, and then we're going to have sections for educating boys, and our professionals will do that, Um, uh, and and all sorts of themes that are important in raising boys today. We're going to also, you know, we're going to look at racial. We're going to look at um, uh, boys of color. Uh, So a lot of the themes you're thinking about, we will be looking at.
0: So helpingboysthrive.org. It's coming up October 1st. And then all of the sessions will be available for you for a week. If you can't watch the one day or can't watch the whole day, we'll keep those all live for you for about a week. And it's really reasonably priced for you as well. HelpingBoysThrive.org. We'd love to have you. And after spending a day with Michael and with me uh, via Summit, you'll understand why we have faces that were made for podcasts. And uh, that's why we're (laughs) bringing those to you today. Uh, so um, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should speak for myself. Right. Uh,
1: no, I like that. I have to ponder yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so this question is, uh, again, as I said, it is, it's, uh, about a, a son, but it really speaks to boys and girls. And, uh, here's what, uh, mom says. I was wondering if you had covered temperaments or personality types in your podcast. Specifically, I have a son that seems to be on the more pessimistic range of personality. Since he was six weeks old, he has not liked new things, situations, foods, people, etc. I didn't know if there are specific approaches that will help me help him to see things more positively. I work hard to make sure he is comfortable and know he is safe first and foremost, but it is hard for me as a person who doesn't think pessimistically. I know you like to talk about boys and girls and the difference, and uh, so I thank you in advance. I, I I just think this is a wonderful question, and um, you know, Jan and I had some of that raising our daughter who tended to look at things negatively. Uh, Michael, talk a little bit about how personalities work, temperaments, and pessimism versus optimism, all of those kinds of things for our kids.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, so there's a lot hidden in in one's personality that's genetic uh and um so this this child who has what this mom is saying is calling a pessimist, a pessimistic uh temperament or personality. Someone else in the family uh, in the bloodline had this uh so it could be it's not her. she said she tends to think more positively, but it could be you know dad or it could be uncle aunt, grandma, grandpa somewhere in the line, these genes came in because personality type and to a great extent temperament comes in on your genes. It's just affected by life it's affected by environment um, uh, but it's generally you know who you are is nurtured by the nurturing system and, and what's around you. The way that your personality type um, you know or your temperament, the way it can be significantly changed, let's say and usually toward the negative, is um if you've been severely traumatized so you've had attachment issues in the first 2 years of life perhaps or and over a period of years you've had abuse or you know other trauma that that can send your genetic trajectory let's say off into other areas um uh and, and I mean significant trauma uh but generally who you are born with in terms of your genome is what you're going to be. It's just going to have a a lot of diverse tentacles. Your personality is not going to be one thing, right? It's not going to be pessimism. That's my whole personality. It's going to be a lot of things, um, uh, but a lot of it comes in. So the first thing I like to say is, is, is just remember that a lot of this came in on the genome and um, someone else had this. Well, then that gives us clues to trying to work with it. Uh, So in this case, what we have is someone who is more pessimistic. One of the things these parents can do is they can, they can find that person. Maybe it was dad or uncle, aunt, whoever. You know, find that person and and say to that person, "How did you deal with this?" <laughs> you know, um, and get get that person to be a part of the story of this child, and get that person. Uh, and we're going to assume that that person is fu- is very functional now as an adult. How did you know? How did that person do it? Um, and how did they get there? Um, it's also really important for the, the, the parent who's not pessimistic, we're using her word, for that parent to keep giving optimism to this child. You know, don't stop. Um, and other people, you know, don't stop. I mean, you really want this child to, to, to become um, more optimistic if possible. Um, and know in mentoring and caring for this child that what the what the brain in the child is doing is it's creating rumination loops. So there were there were there were genetics in play at the cellular level that, you know, obviously that set up brain development. And then this child's brain will tend to see the negative and then will ruminate on the negative. And that's what keeps the neurochemistry of pessimism going because the child keeps ruminating on. Uh, this could go wrong. That could go wrong. Worst case scenario, um, uh, you know, and then it becomes I'll ne- I'll never fit. I'll never belong. People hate me, you know. And it can get into as the child becomes more toward adolescence, it can become all of that. And then the child wants to isolate um, uh, because of, because of that pessimism. So we want to we want to as much as possible stop those rumination loops. So when the child is is let's pick 6 years old. We're never told how old this child is now, but I'm going to say 6 years old. Um as the child is voicing pessimism, we can help with reality checking um and you know and help the child understand the rumination loop. Hey, come on, you're ruminating on the worst-case scenario, but look, that didn't happen. Look, you you thought that would happen a year ago. That didn't happen. You thought it would happen 6 months ago. It didn't happen. Look what did happen, right? So that we're Constantly trying to reorient this t- child more positively, knowing that this came in on the genome, so we're probably not going to alter the the child, the personality of the child, or this characteristic. But we're going to be intervening to try to reframe the child. If the child becomes isolated, if the pessimism gets so um, so dominant that the child isolates himself from others, from parents, from Friends, at that point, I, you know, I, you know, I would definitely get counseling help, and we don't want to allow that isolation. This is not a child we want to be isolated because it's a child who can veer off into depression, you know, relatively quickly. Um, so those are a few things. Let me start with those. You asked me questions, then I want to sure. go to motivation and purpose uh, down the line.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the skylight frame. Get fifteen percent off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe dot com slash easy. That's s k y l i g h t f r a m e dot com slash easy. Get fifteen percent off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe dot com slash easy.
0: Do Do we have any research at all that that gives us a, a sense of how many people tend toward pessimism and how many people tend toward optimism?
1: Um, you know, it's not at my fingertips, but in my years of of study, I seem to recall reading studies on it. Um, but I'm not. I haven't looked at anything lately. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you know, they you get at this through the Big Five, like you can get at this through um, uh, the neurotic, aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, agreeable, in, extroverted. You know, there's if people want to um, go online, you can go online and type in the Big Five or the big five temperaments, or the big five personality types. Uh, Google kind of puts that all together. And then you'll get various um, uh, studies, and you'll see the various temperaments. And if you type in the big five and pessimism, or type in pessimistic personality, you, you're going to get all sorts of research. There's a lot out there. And then you just have to sift through it. Um, uh, I don't think... If I'm remembering correctly, I could be wrong, but I don't think we have as many people who would test out as pessimistic Mm -hmm. as we do as optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think we actually, um, in the aggregate, have more people who would veer toward optimism than pessimism. Mm -hmm. But I think the number is quite high. Yeah.
0: I wonder if Facebook has changed that. (laughs)
1: making people more pessimistic yeah
0: (laughs) you don't see a lot of real positive posts on there uh, especially in times of crisis
1: i yeah that's uh, one of the things i want to talk about in a minute is is about the role of digital life when you have a pessimistic okay sorry go ahead ahead. well
0: i i uh, i have done some sermons on um not so much on pessimism or optimism but just on our thought life and so on and i seem to remember that a lot of us have a lot of negative thoughts throughout the day is that different than being a pessimist
1: yeah. Yeah. Negative thoughts are normal. Um, uh, and it is different. Uh, so the amygdala, you know, you have, you have, and especially now we're constantly stimulated. So you're stimulated, we're stimulated by stuff, a lot of it digital, um, or just what's going on around us. And it's normal. It's part of the survival brain. It's normal for us to, uh, take in a, st- a stimulus and then, um, have a negative thought about it because what our brain is doing is just measuring it, making sure we don't have to go into fight or flight, making sure, you know, at an elemental level, so a low, lower limbic brain level, we don't have to have some sort of response like that. And um, then we move some of that negative thought up toward, higher up in the brain, even toward the frontal. And it starts, the frontal lobe starts thinking, well, let's see, what should my response be? Have I responded? Have I responded? you know, um, do I do anything? And all of that is getting parsed through and you go through that and everyone, everyone goes through that. It's part of how we survive and thrive. Um, pessimism though, as she's describing it, if it's a personality trait, that would be beyond what we've just described.
0: Okay. So, so let's take it where to, to some of those things that you wanted to talk about the digital world and so on, and what, uh, impact that has on, uh, personalities in particular, the pessimistic personality.
1: Yeah, and you hit on it. I mean, I, I, I thank you for making the segue because it's, it's on my list. Uh, when you have, I mean, obviously, we want to keep our kids away from digital life as much as possible, especially when they're younger, um, just because of all the effects on the brain. Um, one, uh, one of those effects is that it, it enhances the uh, the negative rumination loops. Um, and so, for instance, like you brought up, up Facebook. So someone goes on Facebook certainly this happens with Twitter, you see, um, let's say you see the numbers of COVID, uh, that the numbers of of COVID um, infections, uh, tested infections, have gone up in in my state, right? So I go on and I see that. And then that, of course, is going to trigger some internal um, fear, right? Because it's also because it's presented as fear you should be afraid of that so then i'm i got to trigger those parts of my brain they're going to get afraid then i'm going to uh, have to process through that well with the pessimistic child as we've described him, you know you get that fear happens you're in that fear like you don't if you form a rumination loop it's a rumination loop that's going to ruminate more about the fear it's not going to tell you oh wait a minute the number of cases actually doesn't matter a lot It's a virus millions of people get the virus what matters is are the hospital beds overwhelmed right that's something that you do up at your up at the frontal at the top of the brain and um then you go online and say how are the hospital beds oh the hospital beds are fine they're not overwhelmed okay we're fine um right but the pessimistic kid is not going to do that he doesn't move it up he just ruminates on i'm going to die the world's going to fall apart um I should just isolate myself because I'm going to get COVID and die. And, you know, and I use that as an example that could be used for anything. So we we need to keep these kids away from um, extensive digital life because extensive digital life is very dark. And um, uh, Facebook is dark. You know, I hate to say it, but Twitter is dark. And yes, there are good things on each of those. Of course there are. But it's 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 dark. It's going for the darkness. And so is much of the media, especially when we're in a crisis. um, Much of the media is promoting the darkness, you know, it's promoting the terror. And um, because that's how it makes money. So uh, even video games, you have to look carefully with this guy at video games and try to get him into, uh, you know, things like Minecraft or Worldcraft or things that are not just darkness and death um, because he has a sensitivity, he's fragile. In this way, and we need to try to keep them away from the darkness.
0: We are so glad to have you listening today to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, and and we want to encourage you to head on over to our website, which has positive stuff, by the way, yep. and it's wonderofparenting.com dot com. And uh, there are resources there. Michael's got great resources on boys and girls in his book, Saving Our Sons and the Minds of Girls. Uh, we've got our question. Uh, page there where you can send in your questions as this mother has done and uh, a link to our good friends up there at the center of place of hope and they do work with things like this uh, helping people reframe the way that they think about life and deal with addictions and so on uh that's the center of place of hope our sponsors for this podcast and uh michael as as we uh, i want to seg a little bit now to how we if possible at least help a, a pessimistic child reframe yeah. the way that he or she thinks. And I know years ago, and uh, I, I was uh, read a lot of these books myself, I think it's Martin Selig- Seligman uh, who wrote uh, Learned Optimism. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, your thoughts about it. But more than that, how do we help uh, the pessimistic child think more optimistically or at least change the framework?
1: Yeah, we want to look at, at um, problem solving a- a- as a tool and then um, purpose- development let me talk about those two um, then we'll go we'll go from there when you're working with a pessimistic child um, we want to as that child is ruminating and seeing the negative and etc we want to empower that child so how do we empower that child we empower that child with problem solving we want the child to be involved in solving the problem that the child has seen and um, and we're We are recasting, in a sense, the child's pessimism by saying, okay, we're going to see your worst case scenario. We're going to believe you. We're going to trust you that that's possible. And now, what do we do about it? So we move the rumination to problem solving and to doing, to action. So if the child sees, um, you know, worst case scenario like, well, I can't join soccer because I could, you know, I, I probably will break my leg because um cuz jimmy 10 years ago broke his leg right that's how the rumination is working in his head we we're going to we're going to um push back on that and we're going to say well actually one you know one person out of 500,000 or whatever it is broke their leg we're going to have to find that out or go out and do research and find for me how many kids your age who have Played soccer, broke their leg, right? So the child's doing something. He's going and researching, and he brings the data back. And then I say, "Okay, now you look at that. So you've chosen to believe that you're going to break your leg. Um, uh, uh, odds are you're not. But I tell you what, let's bet. You know. So here's another action. You join soccer. I'm going to bet you you do not break your leg, and I, you you have to prove me wrong." And uh, let's give it six months and um, okay, you know, if you're right, you're right. Uh, but if you're not, here's what you get, you know, and, and here's what you have to give. In other words, uh, everything's about, gonna become about action. We're gonna try to move things into action in all sorts of creative ways. So that's that's one way that you can help this child, you know, rise out of the sitting and ruminating and being down and into doing things. And then of course, each of the things that he does when he goes into play soccer, that increases right his oxytocin increases his his uh, endorphins um, his dopamine and that helps his brain to be less pessimistic so the actions affect the actual flow of the neurochemistry okay so that's one one thing and then another thing i you know i just put it under the category of purpose development uh, another way to reframe pessimism and to try to find value in it and empowerment is to is to say okay you have seen um, what's wrong and now you need to make your life purpose um to heal that you you this has to become your life purpose so whatever is the area that he is constantly obsessing about like um um disease right let's say that he's obsessing about that i use the covid example um then okay we let's get you into medical sciences let's get you studying let's go to websites that study um, virus that study the human brain, however you want to frame it. and now let us let's, let's have you study that and I want you to tell me more about that how, the, how viruses work, what we can do about viruses. Um, so we're trying to get him into maybe that you know maybe he becomes a doctor. I mean I don't know maybe he becomes a nurse maybe he becomes a virologist. maybe he becomes none of those things but what we have done is we've moved this thing he's obsessing about. And we've said, we, you got to find purpose in this thing. And we're going to trust that your vision um, has some worth, that people are getting really sick. And, and so now what do we do about it? Um, let's attach it for you toward a trajectory. And if that means we're going to find you a mentor, okay, uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so is a doctor. I want you to spend more time with them, you know, talking about this and they'll help you, because then that gives him access to another human being who's probably not as pessimistic as he is and who will, you know, will raise his dopamine levels up and will relate to him and do all these great things for him as they're processing. And that, of course, keeps him out of isolating his room and keeps him out of digital life, which will make him more pessimistic. So each of these things that we do, act, emphasis on doing uh, with him and for him and getting him to do Are actually going to be better for his brain development long term and we should see more optimism creep in knowing that he will still probably be like this the rest of his Mm -hmm. life but we should see more optimism creep in as he does things and he experientially realizes oh wow you know things do change i do have an effect i'm i'm not a nothing right which is at the bottom of pessimism i remember years ago a speaker said that
0: um, we can choose uh, our perspective on the day and he said you can either wake up and say good morning lord or you can wake up and say good lord it's morning and um, <laughs> i i uh, you know first of all i thought well probably that was an optimist who was the speaker but <laughs> but where where does the role of self-talk come in to all of this, especially for pessimists, you know, the type of people where you say it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And they'll say, well, yeah, but it'll probably rain tomorrow. Where, where does self-talk come in?
1: Well, I think, you know, use as much humor as we can with these folks to try to get them to kind of not take themselves seriously. And then hopefully what we can, what we can do is, is, uh, through meditation, through journaling, through, through, um, uh, Even coaching them, as you're saying, in self talk, you know, we can give them mantras, we can um, give them little sayings, we can show them aphorisms um, from Samuel Butler, or, you know, I just made that up, or from Oprah, or, you know, wherever they are uh, that they can use in their meditation or in their mindfulness or in their um, uh, self talking, where they repeat these really neat mantras. um, And then and and another thing we can do is get them out in nature and and ask them in nature by a, by a moving stream you know which is or by a river which is of course you, you can only be optimistic there you know and and ask them okay what comes into your mind and is this a time when you what you ought to be saying is oh you know i'm part i'm part of this river that's flowing uh, so give them things especially if they're younger things they can say that attach them to this natural place and to the beauty of this natural place. Um, uh, ask yourself, what is beautiful about this place? And how am I beautiful in sitting here by this river? Um, so it's it's absolutely appropriate to kind of intervene in their self-talk and give them environments and give them words um, that help them to be more optimistic. And And nature is just a place where it's hard to be pessimistic unless there's a storm, you know, that's hit you. Uh, But quietness in nature, solitude, uh, that's a real good time to help them with their self-talk.
0: Now, I I recognize that, um, and let's just use optimist and pessimist for for this uh, discussion, but that there are strengths and weaknesses uh, that can be mined from either mindset. What would be some of the strengths that pessimists can bring to the
1: table? Yeah, that's where that's where you know your purpose is going to be to do blank because mm-hmm. you can see uh, the worst, and so the strength is that they see, uh, they see the bad outcomes, mm-hmm. and so we want to frame that into since you are the one who sees these bad outcomes, then your life work is going to be to save others from it, and um uh because if they. If we can orient pessimists towards service, right. in service of others, we, we help them to take their natural quality, uh, you know, the seeing the worst, uh, we help them to take that quality into a positive uh, because ultimately they're going to be called to serve. I think we're all called to serve and they're going to be called to serve too. So they'll just serve by seeing the worst uh, rather than by seeing the best.
0: Probably anybody who has worked with other people have has seen this dynamic take place where decisions are being made and uh, the optimists are always, wow, let's do it, let's go for it. The pessimists are saying, well, you need to think about this, this, and this. And probably in the healthiest of organizations, they're able to blend all of those things together, I would imagine, and be able to say, okay, we need to be aware of the pitfalls our pessimist friends have uh, shared with us, but we also need to recognize that there are some opportunities out there and we can do this, this, and this to make sure that we succeed. And so that there can be some really good roles that the pessimists can play in society.
1: Yeah, I think leaders should listen to pessimists. Of course, they'll listen to optimists. And leaders, great leaders uh, to some extent, are moderates. You know, right. yep. if you look at like pessimism and optimism, they kind of are in the middle because they've listened and the role of the pessimist is a sacred role um to to see the worst and to cast forward and to say i'm prophetic you know uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm going to give you the negative prophecy and the and the optimists of course are going to give the positive prophecy and and the leader um picks the course or directs the course between the two uh so so absolutely i think a pure pessimist it it can a pure pessimist can become a good leader um uh, but generally I think that that pure pessimist will will be will shift some yeah because people don't um people don't tend to follow pessimists right uh completely but they you know you look at it you look at a, at a Hitler who is um you know I think would probably fit in this category obviously he was mentally ill mm-hmm. um but he even he so pessimistic even he you know, got his power by projecting optimistically and saying, well, if we do A, B and C, you know, we're gonna erase all these bad people and we're gonna be the great state, right? right? I mean, yeah. even these these evil people, they can't fully stay in the pessimism. So I think I think as this, one, one good thing, I'll end with this positive for, for folks who have pessimistic kids. One good thing is that, um, it's two sides of one coin, they grow out of, of some of this naturally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The world stimulates them to some extent, so they grow out of some of this, and they do become more positive, usually in targeted areas. Like, I'm an engineer. That's where I'm going to be positive. I'm going to still be negative about everything else, but in engineering, I'm going to be positive. So they grow out of it in some ways and target things in some ways, and that's that's a positive. They'll grow out of some of it. And then um, also that they, they do learn. Um, with your help as parents and with the help of extended family and schools and peers, they do learn. To modulate the the pessimism, some um, even if they haven't grown out of it, they learn to self regulate and modulate because they want to succeed. So if if we if you can't change the pessimism, this is why you help them build purpose and action and doing and all that, and you create a successful human being. And through that person being successful, some of the pessimism has to get you know buried and put aside.
0: Well, and that's why I so appreciate what you said about them finding their, their purpose, their sacred call, because when people really hit that sweet spot in their lives, pessimist or optimist, they, they really sort of fly, find their wings, and uh, they find their, their place in life. And that sort of changes perspective and gives you a sense of confidence and, and does make you more optimistic.
1: Yeah, pessimistic people can become very successful. Yep. So we we as parents who have a pessimistic child should not should not think, oh no, you know I have a pessimistic child he's not going to succeed. Uh, we are going to help him become a success, and and he'll handle his pessimism. Right. And sometimes some of them are really stubborn and they say you don't believe me. Well, I'm going to prove to
0: you. And then they, <laughs> and then they go out and they prove it. Uh, and. Um... And show us that they were right all along, but ended up doing something really good in the process. So right, yeah, they well, they're great kids, and uh, well, we appreciate uh, Michael as always. Uh, you're bringing this to us. This was episode number 103. Just a couple episodes ago, we celebrated our hundredth podcast. But next week, it's going to be podcast number 104. And if my math is right, that makes it two years that we've been doing podcasts. So that's another biggie coming up here. And uh, we're going to do something special. Michael doesn't even know what we're going to do yet when we do our next podcast. Uh, But it's going to be a a good chance to once again, uh, pick Michael's brains as we do a brain science approach to parenting. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Michael.
1: Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And,
0: And we'll be back with you episode number four next time. Have a great week.